across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. Happy Friday, Rockstar Nation. I hope everybody is ready to kick it and kill it this weekend, selling houses and making money. Some interesting things going on here. I just got off the phone with my partner, Mike Sloan, back in Maryland. As you know, I sold my real estate team to Mike Sloan back in 2010. I'm still involved uh, via email and phone, but Mike pretty much runs it. He does everything. I mean, he's amazing. And I still profit from it. It's a source of horizontal income for me and a a very good one. But Mike is the one running it, and it's a great source of vertical income for him as well. And so really right now we have – there's five office staff. There's five people that like man – the office, right? That aren't couriers or aren't agents. And of those five tomorrow, or I should say as of this weekend, three aren't coming back for an extended period of time. One, you know, whether it be hospitalization, a bunch of different funny reasons, but the bottom line is we, we lost three people for an indefinite amount of time. It's temporary. And I'm like, do I go back? Because I'm in South Carolina. I'm in Folly Beach, South Carolina. I'm on the beach. We're getting all this landscaping done on the house, adding some really cool stuff. I added a, a hanging bed a couple days ago. A hanging bed, a bed, an outdoor bed that hangs from ropes from the ceiling in my screened in port so I can sleep outside. It's awesome. Anyways, so now I'm like, ah, oh, man. I make a terrible receptionist, but I feel like I should go just to help answer the damn phones. You know how people get when when somebody calls in sick or whatever, they're always like, you're always like, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And they don't want to tell you what to do to help because you're just going to take time for them to explain it. And I'm the biggest imbecile when it comes to any sort of high C activities. And I know I'm just going to screw it up, but I feel like I should fly home back to Maryland to help Mike out, roll up my sleeves. So I don't know what I'm going to do. That just happened. Just got off the phone with him. I'm like, you're kidding. One of them we knew was going to not be there, but two came as a surprise today. So always something in this business, right? Always something in this business. I got some new reviews here on Amazon. Love it. Thank you very much. If you haven't reviewed my book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, or you haven't read it, please do. You can get it on Amazon for as little as eight bucks now. I mean, it's a smoking deal. $15.95 $15.95 in the stores, but you should buy a hundred of them now because the price dropped. I don't, I don't know, understand how they do these prices. But anyway, so five stars, Mary Ann Dempsey, a verified purchase. I don't know if you notice Amazon reviews, but if it says verified purchase, it means they bought it from Amazon because some people go in and give bogus reviews, whether good or bad, right? If, they, if you don't have verified reviews, you could have had your friend or your mother or someone do it or Believe it or not, college kids or just random people like to sit at home and get stoned or or drunk or or whatever late night and just bash people's books and they haven't read it. 
They just bash, they just write these nasty reviews. Like I got this one review that says, obviously his success in selling homes has not transferred over to his success in selling books or writing books, something like that. Obviously his, something like that. Obviously his genius in write in selling homes does not equal his genius in writing a book, which is ludicrous because I, I know that 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 it is an extremely well-written book. And, and, and I know this person didn't read it, right? I know they didn't even read it. I know they didn't even buy it. I just unverified purchase and I looked them up and it's a, she's like a 19-year-old girl and she has all these weird photos and stuff. And I basically stalked her and I was like, not even a real estate agent, right? She's like a, a waitress or a hostess at a restaurant. Anyways, five stars, Marianne Dempsey. Thank you. Boots on the ground plan for creating wealth in real estate. Great takeaways and great stories. And I, I did the stories on purpose in my book because I, I, I learned through stories. So there's probably 100 stories in there, real life stories. Pat has a real life boots on the ground plan for creating wealth in real estate. The stories and the insights provide key takeaways that can be put into immediate practice thanks pat for sharing your wealth and information from experience real deal having been a top real estate agent starting in 1986 i can say with confidence that pat is the real deal get this book and be ready to step your game up new agent must read from ab as a new agent i have found mr hyben's book to be the best book i have read I will follow his steps closely and using the steps as a foundation for my business. He also adds value in personal development that can be applied to any profession. Uh, five stars. A great book with many applicable techniques and lessons. Maddie Aitchison. If you want to read something simple with content that will direct you on how to take your real estate business to the next level, this book you won't want to miss. Pat Hyben is a real estate rock star and shares openly how you can become one too. So anyways, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And thanks for the iTunes reviews, too. Those are up. Our listenership is up. So the new format seems to be working. And I'm glad that that's working. So thanks for the referrals, too. Uh, suddenly, I got a bunch with uh, women uh, after we got put in our place for not having enough women on the show. I suddenly I did four or five this week thank you so much those will be coming out in the near term and that's about all i got for you so let's get on with this show i, I wanted to put this show on because you know this guy from fast company magazine called me and he said we're doing this thing about business mistakes getting your head kicked in and you've been around the block and i was on uh, john lee dumas's podcast called entrepreneur on fire i actually played it here I don't, if you go back and type in uh, john lee dumas in on hyben digital you'll see it but actually he interviewed me on his and this guy heard me on there and he says wow you're very candid and you share a lot and i was wondering if you i can interview you so anyways so i did this interview and then I was thinking, you know, that went really good as far as the interview is concerned. And since my life has been in real estate, all my mistakes or most of my mistakes have been in real estate that, you know, maybe I should share it with you guys because someone recently said something like a smart man learns from other people's mistakes, right? A wise man learns from his own mistakes. You know, you get the point. So 
I said, you know what? This is all about mistakes. I made some real estate mistakes. Let me just share them. Hopefully you guys can learn from them. And that's my whole goal. This podcast is that you don't repeat my mistakes and that you do repeat people's successes, people's actionable items that have led them to sell more houses and make more money. Everybody have a great weekend and that's it for today. I hope you enjoy this episode. See ya. Hey, Pat, please introduce yourself to our today's listener. Hi, my name is Pat Hyben. I reside in Folly Beach, South Carolina with a second home in the suburbs of Baltimore, Maryland in the United States of America. All right. Sounds like a nice lifestyle you have. You've uh, clearly worked for it. It wasn't just, uh, you know, given to you. And so if people work hard, then I assume they also sometimes make hard mistakes and I hope learn from them as well. And so I'm thankful for you being here, Pat, and sharing one of your business mistakes and the lesson learned behind it. Are you ready to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So before I ask you to uh, talk about the mistake itself, I'd really appreciate if you could set a scene of uh, where were you and where was your business before this mistake happened? Sure, James. Okay, so I basically grew up a real estate guy. I'm a real estate agent to begin with. Uh, at age 21 years old, I became a real estate agent. And I built a business from about 1988 to, you know, all the way up to 2008 for round numbers. So 20 years of building my business. And I built it up to a very high level. You know, I had 54 people working for me in 2008 and i was the guy i was the real estate agent in my town which was called columbia maryland which is a suburb between washington dc and baltimore city so okay, that that's so, kind of the stage there yeah and i think it's a, it's a quite, quite a big quite a high stage and, and a stage where you are being kept uh, accountable and responsible when you get to that level i i guess and uh, yeah, I think this is a good time to uh, share share with our today's listener uh, what happened next. What were the things that were going right and things that were going wrong? And what were perhaps few red flags or maybe just a gut feeling that indicated something is about to happen? Sure. Well, first of all, there was no gut feeling. <laughs> I'd like to lie to you no, and you. tell you that there was a gut feeling, but I would be completely lying. But I'll tell you what happened. So... As everyone knows, in the United States, we had, as, as well as the UK and, and everywhere, you know, we had a bit of a collapse in 2008. And so I had built this business to where we, everything we touched turned to gold. I had a mortgage company. I had a title company. I had a large real estate company. I was investing in real estate myself. There was a lot going on. And since when everything you touch turns to gold, you start believing that it is you, that you're Midas, right? And that you have the Midas touch. And you think that you're special when in actuality, the, the markets are lifting you and you're kind of riding a wave and you don't realize that this wave is going to crash. At least I didn't. So I, I kept building. And in 2008, we were at 2007, we were averaging uh, almost 50 settlements a month, you know, somewhere in the 40s settlements a month, meaning 40 houses would settle every month, 50 houses would settle every month with us. 
we went from that to averaging less than 10 in a period of six months. So let's just use some numbers. Let's say I went from 43 settlements a month to six settlements a month. Unfortunately, when that happens, my business was set up so that I had overhead that where we broke even on, say, 36 settlements. And I don't want to lose people in the numbers, but let's say, you know, 20, 30 percent below what we were bringing in. That's where the expenses were, which was pretty good. You know, if you're making 30 percent profit, 20 percent profit. But when the market shifts that much and you drop you know, an astronomical amount, 70%, 80% in the number of settlements, suddenly even, you know, six or 10 settlements less, you're hurting. But when you're doing 30 settlements less, suddenly in six months, you're desperate. And unfortunately, what happened is I had rented an 8,000 square foot office. I had had a huge overhead of staff. I had a huge overhead of equipment. And I didn't want to support it. Luckily, I was able to support it because I had money in the bank. But let's just say I didn't want to give my money back that I had earned over all these years. So what I did is suddenly in one year, I fired 22 people. I had about 10 people defect and either go into other businesses or go with a competitor. We took our space that we had rented out and and squished ourselves into about 25% of that space and rented out the other 75% of the space to other companies. But the problem was the commercial real estate market had crashed too. So the rents that we were getting for our space was about half of what we were paying. So I would pay, say, I was paying $20,000 a month in rent and I was getting about 7000 back and only using 25% of the space. So you could see I was, we weren't getting back what we were paying out. I also had some copier leases that were super duper copiers. We were printing 500 postcards a day. And when the market crashed, we stopped printing postcards altogether. And we had this printer that was so good that if you copied a dollar bill on it, it notified the IRS Wow! and the Secret Service. So the Secret Service is the one that deals with counterfeit money. So it notifies them that you're copying a dollar bill. That's how good this thing was. And unfortunately, the, the lease on it was $5,500 a month. And I'd signed a seven-year lease and we'd only had it about a year. So I end up paying about six more years on that lease and, and it just sat in the corner and gathered dust. I ended up paying for two more years on this building lease and only was getting about, you know, like I said, 7000 on a $20,000 note every month. And the list goes on. So I had a lot of liabilities that unfortunately I signed for personally. And I think that uh, that was one of my big mistakes that I'll never let happen again is because I signed personally, I didn't want it to affect my personal credit. And I made good on all of the payments, but it was an extremely stressful few years. And I hated paying for something that I didn't use. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. 
uh, you know, like you said, first of all, you wouldn't want to let go of the money that you earned for all those years working so hard. And especially if you, what you're paying for, you're not even using. Now, the market itself, you know, I guess it's not really your fault or your mistake. Uh, as I understand, uh, signing it all off personally was the mistake. And I'd love to dive a little bit deeper again. How did you recover? What was the aftermath after those, after those years or even during those years? How stressful really was it? You know, it was stressful and I couldn't wait for it to, to end. Luckily, we were able to continue to create revenue. It wasn't like we completely stopped, but we created enough revenue to where I was breaking even on the company. I think two years in a row, I, I lost maybe, you know, five or $10,000 a year, worked every day for two years say 2009 and 2010, got up and went to work every day, but didn't make a dime for a couple of years. But looking back now, I didn't have to take a bucket and, and scoop water out of the boat and constantly throw it out over the boat to keep the boat from sinking because uh, we were making just enough to barely pay the bills after I fired everybody and after I, you know, it all settled down. But it was extremely stressful. I'd never do it again. I, I learned never to sign personally, never to sign long terms on leases. You know, the next lease we signed was a three-year lease. Uh, on this deal, I had a seven-year lease. All of my copier leases are on 24-month leases. On that copier, super-duper copier we had was a seven-year lease. Uh, nothing I have today is signed for personally. I have several other companies today and, and none of them I'm on the lease for personally. And I made it out alive, but I learned a hell of a lot of lessons on um, what to do. The other big lesson I learned, James, was this, and it, it ties into what you just said about I had a gut feeling. I didn't have a gut feeling. I think that when things are going good, the general public believes that things are going to continue to go good. And when things are going bad, the general public believes that things are going to continue to go bad. I think we're, we are creatures of our environment and what the belief structure is all around us. And I think it's good to try to be a contrarian, try to bet against the roller in a craps game because you're preparing yourself if something like this happens that happened to me. And I think it, it's never a question of if, it's always a question of will. In, in our lifetime, there will be more crashes, right? There will be more S-curves in the markets. It's what markets do. Okay. What really made me happy is the way you do things today. Like you said, you never sign off things personally again. Anything you lease is short term. Now, for our today's listener, for our today's listener, I really would love, love it if you could share a little actionable tip, which is how do you now have more sensible head on your shoulders? Because I assume back in the days, you were overly confident with yourself and with the industry you were in. So how to switch this more sensible head on your shoulders? Yes, good question. So I am just very, very conservative now. I'll give you an example. I, I was getting into a business deal. Now, I told you I own, uh, since then, I've bought into several other non-real estate businesses. I actually am an investor in 16 businesses now. And I was getting into a deal with two other people. 
as partners. And we're, we were going over the paperwork and the potential liability and that sort of thing. And I sat back and I thought to myself, who's the richest person at this table? And of course, I knew it was me, right? I knew the two people that I was going in the business with didn't have a lot of savings, didn't have a lot of credit and, and, and uh, success behind them, so to speak. And it made me realize that if something goes wrong, right, if this business goes under and I sign as a partner and both of these two other people declare bankruptcy, they don't lose much at all, but I lose 100% of everything because the, the leasing company is going to come after me, the, the phone company is going to come after me because they can't come after the other two people because they're broke. And I think I learned to assess situations better. Like if you go into situations, make sure that your partners can carry their weight. Does this make sense? Oh, it totally makes a lot of sense. I wasn't even expecting such a powerful answer from you. Yeah, uh, I think that's one of the things people don't uh, think about. They, in fact, maybe even feel good about themselves. Hey, look what I can bring to the table. Look at my background, my financial success. They don't think about the part, like you said, if the business goes under, I also am the one who will lose it all. Yeah, and they and so they're the ones nice. that uh, and they also might feel good about themselves for helping somebody out. And I'm all for mentoring. I mentor a lot of people. I'm all for helping people out in their business, but just make sure they have enough the same amount of skin in the game or the same amount of liability personally as you. Or one of the things you can do now is you could actually structure leases so that they don't pass through to the individuals. You could either structure leases so they are, are just tied to the company, which is what I recommend, the company only. So if, so if the company folds, nobody owes any money, right? That's the best deal. And if the person you're borrowing the money from or, or leasing the equipment from or the space from won't do that, at least set it up so it's proportionate so that if you're a 30% owner of the company, that you're only liable for 30% of the debt if everything goes wrong, not 100% if the other partner, the other two partners, you know, just throw up their hands and, and declare bankruptcy or say, forget it, I'm out. Perfect. Nice piece of wisdom. Now, you, Pat, all along this episode have been dropping wisdom bombs. One of the missions behind the show is to draw a core lesson, a core takeaway, simple core takeaway for our today's listener. Do you think you could do that, please? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're going to succeed in life, right, you have to take risks. You have to bet on things, okay? Now, the best thing you could ever bet on is yourself because there's no one to blame but you. And if you're confident in yourself, you can take on full responsibility and do something like I did where you're starting off in sales and you're, and you're building from one sale to over 500 sales a year as I did over a 20-year period. And I bet on myself and I believed in myself. And then when the shit hit the fan, it was only me who had to deal with it. And I was able to make a quick decision and lay off 22 people. Now, I think if I had a lot of partners or I wasn't believing in myself as, as much as I was in the beginning, I, I might have uh, held on to a lot of people and ta not taken such quick action and lost a lot more, you know? 
But since I was in control, I was able to do that. I think that also you need to do whatever you can that when you start to lose, that you take your money off the table. Meaning if you're gambling in Las Vegas, right, or Monaco or wherever, at some point, most people win gambling, but they leave the casino broke, right? But at some point during the night, they're up, right? Does this make sense? The, the, makes total sense, yeah. The yeah. ones that can brag about winning are not the ones that are luckier, but they're the ones who actually stopped and, and collected their chips and walked back to their room and watched a movie or went to sleep. They're the ones that quit, not... Not the ones that, you know, kept going. And it goes back to what I said earlier, that a lot of people think that when things are going good, they're going to continue to go good. So what you have to do is take risks, win, but at some point when you're winning, you have to stop, which goes against your common sense, goes against your gut, scoop up your chips, go back to your hotel room and watch a movie. And that's what I did is I, I you know, fired a lot of people, got through the next couple of years, but I still had the riches that I had accumulated, or I'd say 80% of them, 75, 80% of them that I still had. And I was able to kind of take that aside and not blow it or not lose that. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Knowing when to stop. And like you said, it might, in most of the cases, go against your common sense, but it should really resonate with the sensible part of your brain. And my sensible part of my brain says, it's time to stop this episode. We are running very close to our, uh, our target time. Uh, so one more thing left is for you, Pat, to share with our today's listener a bit more about yourself. What do you do? How they can get in touch with you and see what you're up to. Sure. Easiest ways is to find me on Facebook or you could just Google me. It's Pat, P-A-T-H-I-B-A-N. I have a book. It's called Six Steps to Seven Figures. And you could buy that on Amazon or, uh, you know, anywhere books are sold online. And I have a podcast too, uh, which we talk about all things real estate. And it's called Pat Hyben, H-I-B-A-N, Interviews Real Estate rock stars fantastic we'll drop all the links in our show notes as well now my personal thanks to you pat for your transparency today being able to open up talk a little bit about your past and lessons learned i also hope you're going to keep on making your mistakes business mistakes and learning from them so that i can see you back on the show thank you all right thanks for having me james well, I hope you've enjoyed this session of Real Estate Rockstars. I'm Pat Hyben, and I appreciate you spending time tuning in for some rock-solid advice. I encourage you to take action on something that you have connected with. These insights, along with goal setting, will help carry you to achieving your destiny. Visit hybendigital.com for resources, how-tos, ebooks, and so much more. Also, reach out to us on Twitter. My handle is at... Pat Hyben. And don't forget, Rockstar Nation, keep rocking. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.